Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. The Bible says that our God inhabits yes, he does. the praises of his children. Yes, he does. And so when people join together like we are doing this morning and genuinely with their whole hearts praise and worship the Lord, he just shows up. Amen. And I'll tell you, not only that, but the devil departs. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And when God shows up, it makes us want to shout. And I just sense there's a shout in the house. Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. Wow, this is a beautiful sight this morning. It's a beautiful Lord's Day. And uh, I'm excited about the message the Lord has put on my heart. And I'll explain to you something that all the preachers in the house know about. And that is that I have prepared for two weeks to preach this message today. And yesterday I spent about 10 hours working on this message. And then I went to bed and the Lord said, you're not going to preach that message. And I said, Lord, please don't do this to me. (laughs) I had a professor one time that said, when God takes something away from you, he always gives you something better in its place. And I hope and pray that will be the case. But I can't help but believe that what the Lord did put on my heart, uh, even before I drifted off to sleep and I got up this morning and started trying to get my thoughts in order I can't help but believe that what I'm about to say is a matter of life and death for somebody here today. It's that serious. And so I want to give you an illustration, and the message today is built around an illustration. But uh, I'm holding in my hand a silver dollar. Uh, This silver dollar happens to be exactly 100 years old. And that's just amazing when I think about somebody 100 years ago walking around with this in their pocket. And now I have it. This was given to me a little over 60 years ago. My Aunt Margaret would, on some occasions, give the children silver dollars at Christmas time and special occasions like birthdays. And I guess that started my love for silver dollars. I love silver dollars. If you have any you don't want, (laughs) I'll be glad to take them off your hands. I I like to hold them. Uh, I think I have almost all the silver dollars that she ever gave me. I, I know I've given a few away. And uh, 
I just like to hold them in my hand. I like the way they feel. It actually feels like real money. <laughs> and so, uh, but this silver dollar is special. It, it means more to me than all the other silver dollars. And, and God used this silver dollar to remind me of some things I, I already knew. I'd already studied in the word of God and I already knew it. But, but when God got involved with it, it just came alive. And it became more meaningful to me uh, than I thought possible. Let me just tell you, this silver dollar reminds me that God works in our lives when we don't even know it. Uh, this silver dollar reminds me that God sometimes speaks to us in dreams. In fact, I believe God speaks to just about everybody in dreams sooner or later. Not just Christians, even lost people. And there's some Bible to back that up. And this silver dollar also reminds me that there's only one way to the heavenly father. So those three things I'll, I'll share with you today. Uh, let me just tell you the whole story. When I was a boy, I don't really know how old I was, but when I was a boy, we would play this game and, you know, this was in the days before uh, cell phones and iPads and smartphones. And I'm worried about how smart our children will be because of the smartphones. But uh, we didn't have them then. You remember? You know, if we had a, a, a ball or a stick or, or a rim or, or, or a tire, or we, we figured out how to play. Well, one of the th- games we played was is we would hide something, you remember, and then somebody else would look for it. And then we were obligated to tell them when they were getting hotter, that means closer or colder, and that means farther away. And so uh, that's the game we were playing. And I decided one day as just a small boy that I would hide the silver dollar that my Aunt Margaret had given to me. I remember getting up on a chair and I put it over the window. And I was going to just put it right over the window. And, uh, and then my brother was to come in and, and see if he could find it. He's two years older than I am. And so... What I did not know is that there was a crack in the wall just behind. I mean, it's an old wooden house just behind uh, the top of the window shelf there. And when I put this silver dollar on top of that window, it slid through the crack. And I heard it when it went down into the wall. Oh, Man, I was sad. I was heartbroken. I didn't know what to do. I knew what I was not going to do. I was not going to tell my mom and dad <laughs> because I knew I'd be in deep trouble. At least I thought I would be. And so I never told anyone. I never said a word. And many, many, many years went by. The Lord called me into the ministry. I went off to prepare for doing what I'm doing today and to study and to learn God's word. And then I came back home and almost 50 years later, 
I was driving by that house. And, and I noticed that the owners were remodeling the house. And I thought about my silver dollar. So I pulled over and I got out and I said, what are y'all doing? They said, we're remodeling the house. I said, have you done anything in that upstairs room right there? And they said, not yet, but we will. And I said, well, let me just tell you, when you do that, in the wall, there's a silver dollar. And I said, uh, when you pull the boards off the wall, if you'll be careful, you'll find the silver dollar. They said, really? I said, absolutely. I said, I just wanted to tell you. And that's all I said, and I drove off. I ran into that couple months later, and they told me, they said, we've been hoping we would see you. We found your silver dollar. I was excited about that. I said, they're going to give me that silver dollar. And they said, we've decided that we're going to do something special with that silver dollar. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it in a plaque and we're going to frame it and we're going to write your little story and we're going to hang it on the wall so that whoever lives in this house from this day forward will know the story of the silver dollar. And I said, that's a terrible idea. No, no, that's what I thought. I didn't actually say that to them. In fact, I lied. I said, that's a great idea. And I said, when you do, would you call me and let me just come look at it? And they said, sure. So a number of months went by and I didn't hear from them. And then one day I was out in the community and I ran into them again. And they said, we've changed our mind. The more we think about it, we're going to give you the silver dollar back. It'll mean more to you than anybody else. And I just smiled. I thought, this is great. They said, all you have to do is just stop by the house. And when you stop by the house, uh, we'll, we'll give you the silver dollar. And so another couple of weeks went by. And, and I just want to stop right here to tell you God's timing is beyond us. And, and, and God's timing is perfect. And when God's orchestrating something, Oh, it's amazing. I don't know why, because I was so excited about getting it back, but I didn't go by for a number of weeks. And then one day I I was driving and I thought, I'm going to go get my silver dollar. And I drove to their house. I knocked on the door. He and his wife met me at the door. And and I said, I've come for the silver dollar. And then she says to me, Well, I'm not sure I remember where I put it. And I'm thinking, oh, no, no, I've waited too late. And she said, let me go look for it. Now, let me remind you again that God's timing is perfect. So she goes off to look for it. Her husband stands there and says, I need to ask you a question. And I said, okay, what is it? I had no idea what he was about to ask me. He said, do you know how to interpret dreams? And I said, well, I, I, I've never felt like I had that gift, but I've had dreams that I knew what God was saying to me in my dreams. So maybe if you share the dream with me, 
Maybe I can tell you whether I can interpret it or not. And he said, well, my dream went like this, and it just happened a couple of nights ago. Now, remember, God's timing, had I come earlier, this would not have happened. He said, I had a dream that I died. And in my dream, I was standing in line to be judged. And one by one, people in front of me were standing before the judgment of Almighty God. And he said, and then I realized that I had a box in my hand. And not only did I have a box in my hand, but everybody in line had a box in their hands. And he said, I'm not sure I know, uh, I, I, I didn't know uh, how I knew this, but I knew that everything in my life that I'd ever done was in that box. And I was going to have to stand before Almighty God with everything I'd ever done or said. It was all right there. And he said, that made me real nervous. And then he said, but as I got closer and closer and I listened to the other people who were in front of me and I heard their stories and what they had done and what they had been involved in, he said, the closer I got, the better I felt about myself. <laughs> now, if you need a, a, a truth, here's a good one. Don't ever compare yourself to other people. That's a mess right there. And, and, and that won't work. And he said, so, so they were getting bad marks and I knew I was better than them. Now he's telling me this dream. And he said, and then when it was my turn, he said, with a little bit of confidence, I stepped in front of the Lord for judgment. And I held out the box. And he said, and then all of a sudden, he said, this huge, massive hand came around and slapped that box out of my hand and it went hurtling through space. And he said, and then God said to me, not good enough. And then he said, I woke up. He said, can you interpret that dream for me? I said, I'm pretty sure I can interpret this dream. I think I got this one down. I can interpret this dream. I said, you see, the Bible teaches us that we've all sinned. That there's none righteous, no, not one. That all we like sheep have gone astray. Now, remember, his wife is looking for the silver dollar. And I said, in and of ourselves, uh, we're not good enough. We never can be good enough. And there's only one way that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's through the shed blood of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. You have to have him. Not good enough. None of us are good enough. And then his wife came back in the room with the silver dollar and gave it to me. And we had a word of prayer and I left. But I got to tell you, friends, when I left that house that day, I was in what I call spiritual shock. You know what spiritual shock is? It's when you're, when you're involved in something that's so spiritual, uh, so, so glorious, so amazing that you can't wrap your brain around it. Because when I drove off from that house, this is what I started thinking. Really? God, did you really do this? Did you have me as a little boy drop this in the wall so that they could find it 50 years later? 
so he could have a dream, so you could send me back to that house to tell him what he needed to know in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. God, did you orchestrate this whole thing? I, I mean, I was blown away. Oh, friends, let me, let me just share a few things with you. God is at work in our lives long before we even know it. Amen. L- listen to Isaiah 48, 3. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. You understand, friends? God is saying, I was thinking about this and working on this and preparing this before it ever happened. And, and that's, that's the way God works. That's the way God works. The Bible says in one passage of Scripture, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows it all. Uh, there's an old song that says, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And friends, I stand before you today to tell you that God knows what tomorrow holds and what next week holds and what 50 years from now holds. God knows it and he will sometimes get us ready for something today and we don't have a clue, but he's getting us ready for something special for tomorrow. There's one passage of scripture that says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God has before ordained. God's prepared things in advance. So here's here's what I want to say to you. You don't have to necessarily know what God's up to in your life. All you have to do is just surrender to him today. Just bow before him today. Just say, not my will, but your will be done. Let God have his way and will in you, and he'll get you ready for things today that will put you in spiritual shock tomorrow. I mean, you won't be able to wrap your brain around it. Sometimes when I hold this silver dollar in my hands, I'm serious, I pray, Lord, you did it once before. Would you please do it again? As slow as I am. Ah, would you prepare me today for what you want me to do tomorrow? Friends, God does that kind of stuff. Now, I also learned in this whole experience that God sometimes speaks to people in spiritual dreams. Amazing. God's ability to speak, I hope you know this, God's ability to speak and to communicate with us is absolutely unlimited. Now, I believe with all my heart that the primary way, the major way, the the one way that you can never neglect is to read the Word of God. That's the main way in which God speaks to us. But friends, I'm telling you, that is not where it ends. God is not limited. He is unlimited when it comes to his ability to speak to us and he can speak to you all day long, all the time. And when you close your eyes and go to sleep at night, God doesn't go to sleep. And he may just talk to you. That may be the only time he can get you to be still enough that he can talk to you. And God will talk to you. Let me give you my favorite dream verses in the Bible. This is from Job 33 verses 14 through 18. Now, first of all, let me tell you who wrote this. In the book of Job, if you've studied it, there are four main characters. 
There's Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. You think your name is bad. (laughs) Man, those are some rough names. Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. But there's another character in the book of Job called Elihu. And what you'll find out is at the end of the book of Job, God rebukes Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, but he does not rebuke anything that Jehu says. He does. So these are his words. I said, Jehu, it's Elihu. These are his words. And so listen to what he says. For God may speak in one way or in another. He's right. God may speak this way or he may speak this way and God can speak any way he wants to and God can talk to anybody he wants to in any way he wants to. I I hope you know better than to tell people what God can and can't do. That's just a huge mistake. Now, this is sad, yet man does not perceive it. God may speak this way or he may speak this way, but man doesn't perceive it. God's always talking. God's always speaking. The question is, do we perceive it? Are we listening? Even Jesus said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The question is not, is God talking to you and me? The question is, are we listening? Are we hearing it? Are we perceiving what he has to say? For God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Have you ever had God to speak to you in a dream? If you, if you really feel like God's ever spoken to you in a dream, hold your hand up. Oh, I love it. Isn't, isn't that wonderful to wake up in the morning and to know that God's spoken to you? I, I was on a mission trip. I was in a, another country and I was getting ready to fly home the next day. And, and in my dream, I was standing on the the coast, looking out over the water toward the United States. And I was, it was just a great dream. And then all of a sudden, I heard this voice. I, I'm amazing. This voice said, leave all your money in this country. Now, I took some money with me, and I had some money I was going to take home with me. But I heard the voice of the Lord say, leave all of your money here. I couldn't get on that plane with money. I was broke when I got on that plane because I gave all my money away. He gave me instructions in that dream. I did exactly what he said. And trust me, God blessed me for, for that. Now, let me pick up and seals their instructions in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. This scripture tells us is sometimes God saves our lives because we listen to him. And if we fail to listen to him, that's extremely dangerous. Now, now friends, God speaks in dreams. Uh, Again, the primary way is through the word of God, but he speaks in dreams. I I don't have time to give all of these to you, but I started just checking in a few books. In the book of Genesis, God spoke to Abimelech. He spoke to Jacob. He spoke to Laban. He spoke to Joseph. He spoke to Pharaoh's butler and baker. He spoke to Pharaoh himself. In the book of Judges, he spoke to a Midianite. 
These were the enemies coming against Israel. And God gave a dream to this man and said, you're in trouble. You're messing with my people. And Gideon's sword is going to come down on you hard. And and because of that, Israel won the war. In the book of First Kings, he spoke to Solomon. In the book of Daniel, he spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. All of these were, he was speaking to them in dreams. In the book of Daniel, he spoke to Daniel. In the book of Matthew, he spoke to Joseph in a dream. He spoke to the wise men in dreams. He spoke to Pilate's wife in dreams. Why on earth would we think God doesn't want to talk to us in dreams? Now, I I think to neglect the word of God would be the biggest mistake you could make. But get in the Bible and then say, God, I want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to me every day, every way. I don't have time to tell you this, but one, God can communicate. God spoke to me one time uh, with a gopher. He was in my garden. I might as well go ahead and tell you, Hannah. That... That gopher was, was eating my cucumbers. And I made up my mind I was going to kill that gopher. And, and I took a machete and I went out there to cut his head off. And every time I did, he just pulled his head right back in. And God said, who do you think gave him that shell? I gave him that shell to protect him from you. And then God said to me, I gave you a shell. And sometimes you get out from under that shell and you live in danger. If you'll stay where I put you, you'll be safe. Oh, I tell you, God, God can speak. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Let me, let me just tell you, one of the best spiritual dreams I ever had is I had a theological issue some years ago and I, I read the books, I studied, I heard what everybody had to say and I just couldn't resolve it in my own heart and mind. And I kept praying. And I will tell you, sometimes I pray for spiritual dreams. Sometimes I'll pray and a year or so will go by and no spiritual dream. And then all of a sudden I'll have one. But I pray, Lord, please speak to me tonight. I need to hear you tonight. When I go to sleep, speak to me, please. And, and so I was praying for guidance on a theological issue. I had read every scripture on it. I talked to people that I thought were knowledgeable. And one night I went to sleep and all of a sudden I was in heaven. And I tell you, it was so cool. If you've never had a dream of heaven, I'm praying for you to have a dream of heaven. It was so cool. I was in a white robe. That was the best looking white robe you've ever seen. I mean, the whole full length white robe. Everybody else was in white robes. And we were standing around fellowshipping. It felt so good. No pain. Uh, uh, nothing hurt, which is a big deal these days. And, 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 and we were standing in this room. We were fellowshipping. And then all of a sudden... This individual walks in in front of the whole group and he says, class is now in session. I thought there's going to be classes in heaven. This has got to be good. And then the next thing that happened, and this is one of the reasons I, I knew I was in heaven, is the instructor said there was no furniture in the room. The instructor said, all right, everybody sit down on the floor. And one by one, everybody sat down on the floor and, you know, they, they cross their legs, Indian style, I guess is the way you say it. I've never been able to do that. I've always envied people that could just cross their legs. It looks so comfortable and they just sit there and their leg. Is there anybody else here that cannot sit? Like, I can't sit on the, I mean, listen, if I sit on the floor and try to cross my legs, I'll fall over backward. 
I just can't do it. And I sat down in my white robe and crossed my legs, and I was so graceful, and it was so peaceful. I thought, this really is heaven. This is good. And then that instructor started talking about the one theological issue that I had. And it seemed like hours in my dream that I sat there and just heard every word. And then I woke up. But I never had an issue with that. I knew God had revealed the truth to me in that. Now, I got in the word, remember. And everything that instructor said lined up with the word of God. Well, I got to tell you, when I left that house that day, and he had given me this, this, this was my thought. I actually thought this, wow, God must really love that man. He must love that man and his wife. In fact, if God orchestrated that whole thing to let him know over all those years that there was nothing he could ever do in this life that would be good enough and put me there to interpret that dream to tell him that there's only one thing that will work and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. God must love him. And that brings me to the last point, and that is there's only one way to our heavenly father. You are aware of that, aren't you? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father except by me. That's pretty clear, isn't it? There's no man, no man, no way to get to the father without him. Um, Let me read this verse to you, Romans 4, 5. It says, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. I have that up on my wall in my prayer room. It's been there for a long time. One more time. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Please listen to me today. You will never, ever ever, ever be good enough. You won't be. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And you will never, ever be good enough. I cringe every now and then when I hear somebody say, well, I know he's going to heaven because he's good. Or I know she's going to heaven because she's good. I'm sorry, but if we believe that, then we've rejected the teachings of God's word. That all have come short of the glory of God. All of us, the best of us have come short of the glory of God. Now, if you think somebody's good, and maybe they are good if you compare them with another person, but when you compare them against the truth and against God's word and against the holiness of God, nobody's good. Except one. Even Jesus said that. Why do you call me good? There's no one good except one. And that one is God. And basically, I think in that conversation in Scripture, Jesus was letting him know that I am God. If, if you call me good, then you might as well call me God. And, and, and so, so I have to tell you this today. It's my responsibility as a pastor. One day you will stand before the judgment of God and nothing you've ever done will be good enough apart from Jesus Christ. You see, friends, you and I will never, ever 
be good enough. But what we can do is we can put our faith and trust in the one who was good enough, the one who was perfect, the, the one who paid the price for us. Heaven will be filled with people who never were good enough, but they trusted Jesus, they repented of their sins, and they turned to the Lord their God. One day, I don't know how it'll play out, and I certainly don't think we should build a theology on somebody's dream, but we do know this. It's appointed in a man once to die and then the judgment. One day, we're all going to stand before the judgment of God. And who knows, maybe we'll have a box in our hands. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I can tell you, if we have a box in our hands or we have something in our hands and we stand before the Lord, there better be something special in that box. That's right. You better have in that box the blood of Jesus. You better have in that box the blood of the everlasting covenant. You better have the blood that covers our sins and makes us as white as snow. That's what you better have in that box. Do you know why? Because that's the only thing acceptable before our heavenly father. Now, by the way, it shouldn't insult you that I tell you that you're not good enough on your own. In fact, I would dare say, if anything, it should make you feel a little bit better. Because maybe you've been feeling like you weren't good enough. And I do want to tell you, if you feel like you're not good enough, you're really in a pretty good place. Because you've come to realize that in and of ourselves, we're undone. We all fall short. And, and, and I want you to know this, friends. That without Christ and without the blood of Jesus, everything you've ever done in your life, no matter how good it was or is, will just equal not good enough apart from the blood of Jesus. So I'm asking you, do you know? Do you know that you know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you put your faith and trust in him? You're not trusting in your own goodness for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, why do you think Jesus would make a statement like this? If you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. You have to come to the end of yourself. I believe with all my heart that God put this message on my heart because somebody Somebody needs to hear this. I'm sure we all need to hear some of these truths. But somebody needs to hear this. Nobody. Nobody's good enough. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Would you pray with me? with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Do you know for sure? Do you know that you've put your faith in him? I love that old song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame 
holy name of Jesus' name. Oh, friends, he's the way, the truth, and the life. You can go to church for the rest of your life. You can do all kind of good works, but nothing will ever get you into the kingdom of heaven apart from your personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Could it be? I'm just asking you. Could it be that just as God orchestrated something over 50 plus years to communicate with one man about how it'll all play out in the end, could it be that God orchestrated you being in this worship center today, you hearing the truth? Because he loves you so much that he wants you to know what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. Father, I pray now if there's one person here today who's not absolutely positively beyond any shadow of a doubt sure that you are the Lord and Savior, that they're on their way to heaven. I pray, Father, that you will draw, that your Holy Spirit will tug at their hearts and that souls will be saved and lives will be changed right now, Lord. Not of anything we're doing except that we're choosing to trust you and what you did on Calvary's cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and direction.